Welcome back to the Magic Cast, everybody. This is Greg, and I've got Julian and Alex with me, and we're going to discuss very briefly the end of the season, but more importantly, we're going to look at what Roma has moving forward. New coach, possible new players, new system, everything's changing again. Alex, Julian, guys, welcome back to the show. Hi, guys. Thank you, Greggy. All right, so very briefly, we're just going to kind of outline what happened at the end of the year. We had the loss to Lazio in the Copa final. We had uh, Andrea Zoli being relieved of his coaching duties. And what we've got right now is no Europe. We have a new coach and no Baldini. Thoughts on those items, Julia? Now, here's the thing. I'm going to attempt to spin this into a positive because I don't really like disappointment. I think in the long run, it's probably a good thing that we lost to Lazio. I don't like losing to Lazio, and I'm not a Lazio, so please don't tweet me. But that being said, I think that if we had won the Copa and we gained a backdoor entry into Europe via the Europa League, and our squad, while it is kind of big and it has too many players, we don't really have enough quality. And I'm not sure we would have been able to juggle both um, Syria and Europe at the beginning of next season. And the other thing is... Um, now, as Pelota said, which was great, I was really happy to hear him say this, he said he was disappointed and the season did not end the way he wanted it to. I think if we had been in Europe and won the Copa, that might have, that might have put it like a gilded edge over, over the whole season. There's no way now we could have mistaken it for maybe a good season. We know it was a disappointment on all fronts. And hopefully that will guide the Mercato and the, the choices we make this summer. Whereas maybe if we had won, there would have been more of an idea where, okay, the squad is good enough to win a trophy, so we just need a few key pieces. I hope now they realize we need, we need, we do need a few key pieces, but they have to be of, of high quality. We've, we've had that same situation in essence for two years because yes, we did have the Europa League for uh, uh, Luis Enrique, but I mean we were out so damn fast, it was like we didn't have it. Right. And again, I, I did say I was attempting to spin this into a positive. It, it's not necessarily one. Losing a derby is never a positive. Um, yeah. and we, we, made this point, could, we made this point on the first, the first recording of this uh, of this podcast, and it, it's it's a very valid one. There would have been, I mean, all the points you just mentioned, there would have been false uh, confidence going in this way. Yeah. You know, sweeping changes again, um, bringing well, in. But there's also, I mean, now I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you for a second, Greg, because now I I, w- I want it to be a nuanced kind of sweeping changes. I don't want everyone to leave the club, you know. I which is kind of what happened last summer, which we definitely needed because we had a lot of dead wood. But this year, it's funny because I, I really think that we have a solid structure in place. But, you know, the, the front and the midfield kind of work, and they kind of don't. But they could work, and I, I think that they, with the right coach, they could shine almost as is, again, with just a few key pieces. But going back to the, to the Coppa Italia and uh, Europa League or not, I think it's kind of... Uh, when the whole season can change from success to failure only due to one game, you know, 90 minutes, the decisive game for the season. I think it describes how bad uh, the season has been for several teams. I mean, Lazio, Fiorentina, mm. you, can, you can praise Fiorentina, but I, I also think that Roma no. did have a... They played equal to Fiorentina in larger parts of the season. They were so close. Yeah. Only in the end that Fiorentina got the points, and that's when the last. No, I mean, Nap- Napoli had a pretty good season. Milan definitely put it together in the second half. But you're right about Fiorentina. I mean, they dipped when we did right after the winter break. I think they actually dipped for longer than we did, and they lost to Pescara, and they ended up coming just short against Milan. But you know, let's not forget uh, they they. As good as they were, they're also missing, I think, a few key pieces, especially up front, and especially if Jovetic leaves. It's not, you know, uh, I think they're kind of like a Cinderella story that was kind of pushed to fit the mold rather than genuinely being one. Um, because no, Euro- you know, just Europa League is probably a disappointment for them as well. well what do you think about the, 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 Greg, what do you think about the 90 minutes, the decisive game from failure to success? I think it's a, a narrow, I mean, as we've said, I think it's a narrow sighted view of, of uh, of a year. I mean, I think there's no two ways of, of looking at the season. It was a failure. Um, but, but you rate it as success if we won after that game? Because that's no, really... Not at all. Okay. It would not have been a success after that. That's right. My... 
It's I'm, a, I'm afraid. I'm afraid some people would have taken it as a success, though, because right. it was a derby and it was a trophy. But ultimately, it still is a fail. It's not like it was the Champions League final that we won. It's it's just the Copa, and yes, a trophy is a trophy. I get it. But on the other hand, not all trophies are equal, and um, that's definitely not not a trophy I was hoping to win. In 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 the same extent where if we had to trade off, you know, the Copa for finishing third, I would absolutely want to finish third instead. We know it wasn't a great year. I think there's some caveats that we could throw in there, but for now, you know, let's let's move on to the uh, you know the, the more business side. But Baldini moves along. Um, any any prevailing thoughts on uh, on that situation? How it went down, losing him, you know, getting past it. You know, when he left, I felt it, it was more dramatic than it might actually have been. I think he mm. decided earlier on that he him and and when Sansi got on board, there might be... I think what James who said it, uh, he, he thought that Baldini's role was, you know, there was no need for him now that Sansi was... Uh, right. Oh. I think it actually goes beyond that a little bit, too, because if we remember, um, last year Baldini tried to resign after the project didn't work out the first time. Yeah. And, I mean, as much as I like him, and I, I know every, you know, we all love him... Be- because you know his relationship with Roma, but at the end of the day, it's it's pretty clear that he saw himself responsible. This is now the second time he tried to leave, and I think, in some sense, it, it just kind of made sense on all parts. Roma, someone's head had to roll. I think after a second year of failure, Baldini was willing to to sacrifice himself, and based off of all the stuff he said, he actually saw himself as responsible. Um, from the way I've been taking this, Sabatini's in charge of the transfers, but Baldini has always been very, very much has a huge say in the coaches we bring in. So I think he's felt somewhat responsible for the failure of Enrique and Zeman. And then Andrea Zoli, though, that's certainly not really a, a choice. I'm sure he had much say in um, at that point. But, um, you know, I think the act maybe it's it's a it's a thing no one wanted to come to. But the act, you know, shows that Roma are at least willing to say, OK, listen, if something's not working, at least we'll try. And I don't want us to become like Chelsea where we're like firing a coach every year. But we've only still fired one in quite a long time. I mean, Ranieri, whatever. Spalletti quit. Um, Luis Enrique resigned. And we wanted him to stay on. And Zayman got axed. But at that point, we kind of... I mean, I don't know any team that would have kept Zayman given given how we were playing at the time. So, yeah, it, it's sad. But I think it was it was probably a necessary, sensible kind of move to make at that point. And, and given the new logo and the rumors that Baldini didn't, he wasn't involved in the whole decision making. It, it tells me that maybe he was. This, this was planned. You know, the whole club was probably aware of his. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but the timing could have been better. I mean, it was right after the Coppa Italia defeat. The fans, everyone was so depressed, and then uh, Baldini, uh, so well liked by the fans. A personal favorite by many, including me, and then he leaves. It's you know, it was another blow to a very sad and depressing season. So yeah, I actually. <laughs> what? what? That was Auto Tune Julian again. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was just gonna say that um, I think some fans have a have a fondness for Baldini that that almost comes at the expense of Sabatini because for me, and I, I'd like to hear what you guys have to say on this. I think Sabatini's actually done great work. I think the problem is that not the players he's brought in, but the fact that the coach hasn't been able to turn those players into a cohesive whole. I don't buy the argument that he's not a good team builder. Um, he built the Palermo side that reached their highest ever points total in Serie A, and who finished above where we finished this season. So it's, I don't think it's a question of that. I, I think it's the coaches who've been brought in, which, again, Baldini takes the blame for. You know, he himself actually does take the blame for it. And um, I think that's been the problem. I don't, I don't see why people were saying the wrong guy left Roma. I don't think Sabatini is the wrong guy. I think Baldini knew this, this kind of fell on his sword. Yeah. yeah, I mean, as far as Sabatini goes, and, you know, I'm not in uh, the meeting, so I, I can't say that this is the case or not, but I think, especially at the the very beginning when they took over, when he, you know, when he was put in charge of transfers, that there could have been a better mixture of youth and experience. Uh, I think there, there could have been a better mixture of... Uh, of, of, of more veteran players uh, along with this youth because there's been a, a lot of young guys came in those that early time and a lot of uh, 
you know, uh, responsibility hoist on their shoulders. And I, I don't know that they were ready. And I don't know if that's yeah. something you're that... Saying, you're saying his first year, so under Luis Enrique? I'm saying both years. All, all oh, years. Okay. I actually think the, the problem his first year was that... Um, like, we had guys like Gabriel Heinze come in, and uh, I think he almost had the opposite problem. He was, like, too old. He was, like, too he was too old and slow, you know, to, to, to really be playing for us. And then, um... To be playing, you know, maybe to be playing in the roles that he was, but, yeah. you know, he kind of... He had to play some of those roles based on either poor performances by other players or, or injuries. I actually thought he was... He did a, a great job, all things considered. He was but, one of our right, players, but, which doesn't say I, a lot. I think it came to that because guys like Kerr just completely and totally flopped at Rome. I mean, I don't think there was a single Romanista who didn't think we, we were getting a good deal with Kerr at the time because we saw he was a good defender at Palermo, but he was a disaster. I mean, to put was, it lightly. I think he was doing okay, playing well, getting better, and then the red card against Lazio totally crushed it, him. It was, And it's all- funny because... Red cards seem to kill a lot of our players' confidence. As you could argue, you know, Stecklenburg sending offs definitely didn't help his time at Roma either. A good goalkeeper, for sure, will will give us more points than we had last year. If we can get a good shot stopper who can turn, you know, draws into into wins and losses into draws, that's going to make a world of a difference. Because every every good team has a great goalie who does that. Also playing defense. Also playing defense, which is where the two fullbacks would come in and they would be handy as well. Yeah. So although to be fair, I I did think uh, what's his face, good old um, what can I Pieris? I thought he I thought he grew into the role rather well. Um, but uh, that was maybe it was only under Zeman's kamikaze kind of attacking. Mm-hmm. But I I I thought he did better than Josian Hell at the very least. Oh, you may. And speaking of fullbacks, what about <laughs> our new coach Rudy Garcia? <laughs> well, fine fullback in his own right. Um, yeah, so, all right, we've got a new head coach, Rudy Garcia, uh, coming to us from, uh, France, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's a lot of firsts going on here with Rudy coming from France, but, um, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm pretty excited about the whole proposition. I think he's got, he's got a, the right attitude, he's taken to, uh, accepting the role, and he understands it's not going to be easy at times, and he understands that uh, you know Rome is uh, different than Lille. Um, but at the same point in time, uh, you know I think he's got a pretty good understanding of of what we want to do, and he's got a good understanding of what he wants to do. Most importantly, um, and I'm hoping that leads to you know the the players kind of getting on the same page. He's talked about defense. He's talked about you know uh, you know attacking style of play. So, all in all, I mean, I, I think I, I kind of like uh, Pelota said, you know, it's like it didn't take long talking with this guy to realize that he was the right guy, uh, not only for now, but for time to come. Oh, you know, call me naive, but I actually believe in this guy. Like I believed in Luis Enrique, I believed in Semen, but this time, you know, third time's the charm, so... Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, it's just something Maybe with a... you should not believe in him, Alex. Maybe you're the mush. What? Yeah, maybe we should hire a coach that you don't believe in. Yeah. Huh. You know, then we should have hired uh, Allegri, maybe. <laughs> Which uh, I still don't think would have been a terrible thing. Um, no, I, I agree. I, I, think, uh, oh. I think he wasn't my first choice. I think Ancelotti was my first choice, which was a completely unrealistic first choice. But um, I think I agree. I think he's he's definitely on paper. I think he fits what we need. He's a trophy winner. He stays at clubs for a long time, and we need that stability. Um, he seems like a good guy. He seems like he likes to play attacking football, but his teams are always pretty balanced. Um, I I've read and and I've even wrote a little bit about how his Achilles heel seems to be that his formations. Um, he's not very flexible tactically, and his substitutions aren't aren't uh, aren't always game changing. But I think we should at least give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, before you know, trying to say, oh, he's the wrong guy for us because he won't make the good, the right subs. But, but um, you know, if if you're not going to get excited about a new coach, then you're probably not. You haven't been excited for a while at Roma. I also like the idea of him. Um, you know, he wants the the a group or, or a group of players. I don't know how many, four or five. Yeah, it's like a, a self-governing council, basically. Council. Yeah. The, the uh, management. You know the, the the players should should kind of take care of themselves, 
um, and his way of, of exercising, uh, you know, his authority, if you will, is by having this panel kind of talk. And let him know what happens in the... Yeah, the, but, the players know. govern themselves, and, and this panel just kind of reports it back to him, so you don't have all these different people coming back to the coach all the time. or Oh, that's or, it. See, I, I hadn't heard about this. Uh, govern themselves in, in what kind of respect, uh, Greg? I think, just, I think just manage the locker room. And also, if there's, you know, personal life of, of a football player might be quite intriguing. So uh, when things happen, they the players will let the coach know if certain players... Do we players... know who, who, who the members of this panel are? I mean, we could probably guess, they, but has he said... Like, who they're... They've said it yet. He doesn't even know who's on the team. So, in terms of enough to to establish this uh, this group, the team's still being formed. Yeah. Well, if the rumors are true that he apparently he wants a goalie, two fullbacks, um, a mid a midfielder, a central midfielder, kind of a regista, and then a striker, and um, which which makes perfect sense because if we figure Osvaldo's gone, we need a regista. We definitely need two fullbacks, and we need a goalkeeper. I mean, that's that's pretty much my Mercato wish list anyway. You know, Julian, talking about uh, a regista, you know, not one midfielder that we've been linked with is that type of midfielder. They're all... And you, I, I want to hear, what do you guys what do you guys think of Nangolin from Cagliari? He's a, he's a box-to-box guy. Or, or I, 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 don't, I don't like him. I, I'm, I'm not... Uh, not that I don't like him. That, that's not really analysis. I shouldn't say things like that. But I don't, I don't think he's the right fit for Roma. I, don't, I just don't see what he can bring to this club that we don't already have. Um... I think you're right. He kind of is a box-to-box midfielder. Like, why? Why would we be? He's he's definitely not a regista, and I I don't honestly think he's even that talented or, or that good. Um, from what I've seen him, I've never really been that impressed. I think he's a tidy little player, but not. You know, I, I don't look at him the same way I look at like uh, Verratti and think, wow, okay, he's going to be something one day. You know, I, I just is, don't get that kind of vibe. The thing is, is that 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 I want to know. Um, is you know they have to be rating him at worth spending ten twelve million dollars. Which I think well, is absurd. It's, it's a lot that, of money. It's that much if they if they don't insert players. They right. definitely insert players. So, um, is he is he worth that much over what Michael Bradley gives you? No, right? because I, I, I mean, Michael Bradley I think is actually. Go ahead. I was going to say that they must not have a lot of confidence, whether it's Sabatini or uh, Garcia, in in what Bradley can form. And I think that's a shame because I I thought he played. I don't. I, don't I almost think Michael Bradley is probably the safest member of this team besides Stolti. I mean, he is he's the American player on an American-owned team, and he's done a very good job since joining the club. I can't see why selling him makes almost no sense from a business standpoint, from from an on the field standpoint, from an off the field standpoint. Um, I can't. I can't imagine why we would get rid of Michael Bradley. I'm not saying we would get rid of him. I just he would be he would be relegated to pretty much non-starter. But, but wouldn't he be an have... excellent squad player? Because that's what Michael Bradley is for me. Yeah, but then we would also have Florenzi, Bradley, De Rossi, Pjanic, and Nengolin all fighting for three midfield spots, and that's without a Regista to throw in the mix. And I'm sure I've probably forgotten someone. Yeah, and I and uh, you know everyone was, although many perhaps expected Pjanic to be uh, on the verge of leaving the club because uh, he might not fit into the system. But uh, if the if the reports are true, Sabatini was told by Garcia that he was untouchable. So I I'm really excited to see how his system will be in Roma because in the four three three I I can't really see Pjanic in the center midfield since he's not that defensive type. But my, maybe he is, but it's interesting if those reports are true, mm. that he wants to keep Pjanic, because that that makes me wonder how the first 11 will be. Yeah. And does that mean that Regista like. isn't coming if we keep Pjanic? Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is one of the things that I agreed with Zeman on, that he's just he's not good enough for that role. Um, he doesn't have, he doesn't have the, the right characteristics for... Uh, for that role, what what kind of a midfielder is he? I, I don't know. I mean, I I know Julian. You've uh, I think you've written about it, or or we've talked about it. His uh, you know trying to find that spot for him and how difficult that is. Yeah, I, I think he he reminds me a lot in some ways of Aquilani, where 
Aquilani on paper was kind of like the duo with De Rossi in the middle, but he because De Rossi was so defensive at the time, he um he almost had that license to go forward when he wanted to. I mean, Aquilani was rarely always alongside De Rossi. Um, he would he would run forward, he would make passes, he would take shots. I, I almost think Pjanic's best role might be something like that, where he uh, nominally is a, is a midfielder, maybe a deeper one. But if he has the license to stray forward, kind of using his own judgment, I think we could see him being creative at will, which I think would would really help the side. And you know, that would be kind of like a pseudo regista role. But you know, it really just kind of depends on what system Garcia wants. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, historically, they're they're better teams. They've had a deep line playmaker. But and speaking of teams. speaking of playmakers and and Zayman, um, we haven't recorded a pod since Taxidis has left the club. Um, so, do we want to give any final words on what we thought of his tenure at Roma? I just I think uh, I think the vision was there. He had the right ideas, but his ability to protect the ball either on the dribble or with the pass was was uh, needs some needs some grooming. Yeah, I think the best description I heard of him was he had potential, but he's too raw, and I think that's exactly it. I actually yeah. think we pro- maybe we should have kept him and loaned him or co-owned him with a different club instead of just getting rid of him completely. Because I think in a couple of years, he might prove to be a good regista. But he's definitely not what Roma need for this upcoming season. Um, and, and, you know, it's not to say he's a bad player. He just isn't ready. He's too young, and, and he, he doesn't have enough experience in Serie A uh, on a team with the kind of ambition Roma does. Um, I, I, th- I think there is a good player in there somewhere. I just don't think he would have came out at Roma. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I believe in the kid. I just don't think he's uh, made for uh, someone fighting for for glory and trophies. Maybe a mid-table team like Genoa or something, you know. Where he is? Yes. Well, that's perfect for him then. <laughs> yep, right back at home. All right. Uh, other other players you want to bring up? or Who else does um, this? That's Stecklenburg left us. Stecklenburg left us. That's an important post, actually. So, uh, do do we feel bad about that one? No. No, I I think it was more him than us. He, he I think I think it was underperformed yeah. in my eyes. I think so too. It was he never acclimated, and he made he made a lot of he never was the goalie we needed out of him. But a lot of that was kind of on him. He never really learned the language. Um, he just, but he never, he never, Greg is right. He did underperform. He never really looked like the, like the, like he had been a world cup finalist. Um, and you, you know, it's one of those things where we tried it. It didn't work. Not all players are going to work on all teams. So good luck at Fulham. I, we've seen a lot of, you know, we saw Vandersar leave Juve and go to the premier league and do really well. So I, I think he can still have a good career, but his time at Roma was not, was not good. You know, the people we've been linked with, it's not exactly a mouthwatering selection. But you know, there's there's a few names out there. It's Julius Cesar, it's uh, Rafael, who we don't know that much, and uh, Viviano. Yeah. So I tweeted this about Viviano well, the other think- day, um, basically saying when I hear his name, I think of his performances against us, and I think I because of the news of the day, I said the fact that he's being courted by other people made me happy. Um, because, yes. I mean, if you remember Totti's second goal, I mean, it, it practically went through his hands. I mean, not good at all. He, he's clearly lost something. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree. He's he's a player that the more I've seen of him, the less I like. I, I thought he was, when he was kind of first emerging in Serie A, I thought he was a really good keeper. But the, I, I don't think he's ever really capitalized on, on any of that. And if anything, I think he's maybe regressed a little, little bit in terms of, just having that confidence you think a keeper needs and, and being able to command his penalty area. Um, I would I would probably much prefer Julio Cesar at this point because he is older and he's definitely not the player he once was, but he's, I mean, he's a, talk about a winner. I mean, he has a Champions League, he has Scudetti, he, he's won a Copa America. I mean, he, and sure, he, I think he's 32, 33 now, um, but he definitely knows the league. Um, decisive def- against uh, Uruguay yesterday as well. I definitely think he... Um, He's he's the kind of keeper we need. Where if we don't get him, we need a keeper of his characteristics, which is he commands his area and he's a great shot stopper. And sure, he might make a few mistakes, but he'll all, he will absolutely snatch points from games we'll have no business getting points from. That that's really important to me. Um, 
that we get that kind of keeper. Um, you know, a generally great shot stopper, even if he's lacking in maybe a few other areas. Because we, we're, we're a kind of team that concedes goals. I think yeah. there's a confidence level that he comes with just from all his experience. And, and you know, he may be able to command that back line, uh, you know, a little bit more strongly or stronger than um, than either Labont or Goicochea or... Right. Uh, or Stecklenburg, you know, could. And I think that that's the one thing that I, I don't mind about taking him is is there's just going to be a, a sense of of uh, seniority, if you will, back there that we probably haven't had. I don't I don't even know that I would give that to Doni as having that kind of commanding presence back there. Um, you know, better he, for Marquinhos to learn from. Yeah, yeah, and he doesn't have a an EU passport, and he and he's got a higher wage request. So, I mean, those are issues that that Sabatini has to try and work through. Um, you know, Rafael, he's a he's another one of these guys that's like, yeah, he could be really good, but he's really young. Yeah. That it's another that gamble. Between, it's another gamble. Yeah, yeah. I, but I, he has the passport. Yes, he does. But, uh, the passport doesn't really bother me that much. It's really the fact that Rafael has only played in, in Brazil, and I, I I get it. Brazilians are always exciting and fun, but they're also usually expensive. And, and you know, goalies are, are one thing, but I, I, I think it's a all transfers are a gamble, but it's always a much bigger gamble when they're not European-tested because European f- football and, and Brazilian football are, are, are very different. And a, a lot of great players have made the transition successfully. But I'm not sure if we're at a point where we can kind of take the gamble that other teams take when they buy like an Oscar or, you know, Barcelona bought Neymar for, you know, a lot of money. And if he doesn't work out, they're Barcelona. They're not going to rely on him. You, you know, they'll move him on and look at someone else great. But if if Rafael doesn't work out for Roma, I mean, we're going to kind of pin all of our hopes on this kid. Yeah. Um, but- so... The thing is, I, I really want us to go for Julius Cesar, but the passport thing is quite important if you look at uh, how we can bring uh, cheaper alternatives uh, and gamble, if you like, uh, from South America. Because remember, the, the, the last slot we had last summer went to this unknown kid named Marquinhos, who turned out to be one hell of a buy, uh, if not the best Roma gamble ever. Just you know, to, we've had a lot of flops too. Yeah, of course. But when you have someone like Sabatini, I think that's his. You know, he might find a gem every third or second try when he try these kids. But you know, when they are so cheap, and you you want those chances to be. I mean, I I agree, but I think goalie is a position where, especially for a team like us that has ambitions of of being one of the top clubs in Europe and being a winning team, which we aren't right now. We need experience. I mean, even a guy like Perrin, who I like a lot and is definitely a, a promising player and he's really used to Italy, he's he's a guy who it's still a gamble because for the team he played for last year, he conceded so many goals. Uh, I don't want a player who's not full of confidence and and experience leading a back line that, that really doesn't have any of that right now. I think it's it's tantamount for us to get a goalie who can who can transition us into a new era of, of winning. Yeah, I know. I agree. I, I, I we need uh, a solid backbone in uh, behind the defense. And uh, right now, I, I, I would say Julius Cesar. But if this uh, Rafael guy is as good as the rumors says he is, um, you know, I, I would. I don't know. It's so hard with all these gambles. We have gambled too much. Yeah. So I, I, I get. I take your point. I agree with you, Julian. Let's make a more uh, reasonable and safe. Uh, I mean. Uh- I mean, we do have American owners, and Americans make a, a ton of great goalies. I mean, a guy like uh, you know, Tim uh, Tim Howard would be a good buy for us, something like that. You know, um, we, I mean, Brad Friedel's on Tottenham. Maybe maybe the Spurs can ship him over. Um, he he, I think he's thirty nine or forty, but he's still um, he's still good, and he's still a good shot stopper. And he, you know, he he's definitely got experience. And I think you know, we don't we don't. With a lot of the team, I like buying young and you know growing a core that will stay with the club for life. And you know that's always the ideal, promoting from the primavera, kind of like the Barcelona model. But when it comes to a goalie at this point in the project, I think it's much more important to get a guy who has confidence, who has experience, and who has who especially and and who wins and and can and can bring that kind of mentality 
onto the next generation. I think that's what Sir Alex Ferguson did so well at his time at United was whenever he brought new people on, he would either make sure they were winners or he would have them learn from winners. And he would constantly continue that winning mentality over and over. And we don't really have many winners on the team. Totti has a Scudetto. Him and De Rossi have World Cups. Um, but other than that, what, what, what do we really have right now? We don't really have guys with tons of trophies. A lot of these guys don't have any trophies. The goalkeeper issue could have probably been a, a bit easier because uh, I don't know how his salaries demands are, uh, Julius Cesar, but you have to take that into consideration as well. I mean, if he's come into the, uh, a club who, trying to, who I tried and have cleaned up the, the salaries and the, the wages and the structure yeah, of wages. Yeah, so I think it's also difficult to get him if you, unless... Well, he, he also said today, though, that he did want to return to Italy. Um, I, I read a, a quote where he said that he heard of Roma's interest through the papers and he would be happy to because he, he was always fond of his time in Italy and he wouldn't want to shut that door. So if the interest is genuine, maybe he would be willing to take a cut. Um, I can't see him staying at QPR at any rate, given that they were relegated last season. But it will be uh, decisive. But uh, you know, right now it's hard to say who they will land. Mm. You know, for all we know, it's someone we haven't heard about yet. So it might sure. be a surprise. Well, I just, just I mentioned Marquinhos, and uh, since we talked about him on Twitter last night, uh, Greg, Marquinhos to Barcelona seemed to be. Uh, uh, strongly, you know, we don't want to sell, but it seems like Barcelona might actually want to try to tempt us with some, uh, you know, a, a super offer. With uh, yeah. do you guys? What do you I guys think? think? He came out today, though, said he wasn't going anywhere. I mean, obviously, I know agents. That's what they do. Um, Does he have a price tag for you, Greg? That's the question. Absolutely, I don't think anybody outside of Totti doesn't have a price tag i mean you know yes he's a great young player i mean but he's still young and he's he's still gonna make mistakes and and uh but i think we could all estimate his future to be very very solid uh you know if not superstardom but at the same point in time i mean if somebody offered us a need player that is of high quality and a large sum of money to go along with it i i think you'd very seriously have to consider it. I agree, but the rumor I have heard is that they want to do a straight swap for Alex Sanchez, which no. makes no sense to me on, on so many levels that I, I, I can't even begin talking about how little sense that transfer makes to me. I, if, but a I, swap, no. Yeah, if, if they offer, let's say, $20 million and they're like, we'll give you Tiago, I'd be like, okay, maybe we should consider this. But by and large, I consider him to be completely unsellable. If, if I said this on the last pod, so I forgive you guys for having to hear this twice, but if for this project to be legitimate, we have to prove that we're not just we're not Udinese, we're not just getting players and selling them for vast amounts of money, but we're getting Great. players and using them to, to turn into a winning club. So if we sell the first really great center back we've had since Juan was at his peak, and he's so young and has such a great future and actually seems to like Roma, that's not sending out a very good signal to me. That's, that sends out, well, we're, you know, we want to win, but money talks more. And I don't, I don't want us to be a money talks club. I want us to be a club that, you know, players want to stay at because they want to win and they enjoy the club, not, not just a fodder club for other bigger clubs. I just think with 40 million, you have to take into consideration what Sabatini can do with 40 million. Uh, and I think, yes, he's invaluable to the team. But you have to take in, you know, 40 million. That, that can really do some heavy lifting for the team. So uh, either you can sell and really spend those money reinvesting in the, you know, you, you can do so much with 40 million. But if we get, uh, you know, Benatia from Udinese, we have Castan, we already have two very good solid defenders. So, but what we were saying on Twitter last night is, well, what if, if we keep him and he still plays uh, as good as he has done? Uh, he will probably be worth the same, if not more, in a couple of years. My problem is that there's such a dearth of, of good center backs across the world nowadays. I mean, Barcelona need him for sure. Madrid have Varane, who's, who's the other star that emerged this season, besides Marquinhos. Inter had Ranocchi and Juan Jesus to mixed results. Juve have Bonucci, who's pretty young, but there are, neither of the other two center really backs I would consider. Taking, by the way. What's that? Really good at penalty taking, by the way. 
Yeah, <laughs> it's that's too raw. Let's not talk about that. Um, um, and I mean, Milan can't find a good center back. They tried Zapata. They have Mexes, which I mean, bullet dodge there. But um, it's 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 really hard to find good young center backs. We found a great young center back. I think sell, selling him just makes so little sense. I mean, we also have Romagnoli, and maybe if we give it to Marquinhos, you could play Romagnoli more. That would be cool. But on the other hand. Ideally, in the future, I'd like to see them playing together, not one at the expense of the other. But for 40 million, you have to consider the offer. Well, you know, it's hard. I'm not saying sell him. I'm just saying 40 million is a hell of a lot of money, and you can spend them is it, wisely. Is it really that much money, though, nowadays? I mean, when Andy Carroll went to Liverpool for 35 million pounds, and, I mean, we, we've seen big money spent on ridiculous kind of stuff. We were just talking about Brazilian wonder kids. How many of them for, have gone to Europe for more than 40 million? 40 million, I don't think it's, it's worth all that much anymore. What do you think about uh, Benatia coming in? Well, now that uh, Nico Lopez have agreed to co-ownership deal, I, I think Benatia is uh, more or less uh, a Roma player. But uh, okay. what, do you, what do you think about his partnership or potential partnership with Marquinhos coming from a, a three-back system? Marquinhos is like the, the this you know the quick and smaller type of player, very smart, and you need someone bigger and stronger beside him. Castan is more or less that kind of player, but he he picks up a lot of yellow cards and you know he's a lot yeah. injured a lot. So I think Panazia is, is actually a very good deal for us because he brings muscles to the defense. Uh, so I'm quite excited by that deal actually. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel the same way. I mean, obviously, we we understand what the players are like and what their roles are going to be. I mean, I think it does give us some depth. I mean, it allows us to have Castan as our first off the bench, um, as opposed to Bordiso, who, you know, had moments of, of good play this year. But, I mean, it's the scale is tilting each year with less good and more bad just because he's, he's slow. I mean, the instincts are there. But his ability to physically back them up is is slowly starting to, or not so slowly, uh, degrade a little bit. So, you know, I, I, if those are our three main center backs going into the season, I'll feel pretty comfortable. Uh, I was just going to say, you guys are making a big assumption, which is that Benatia coming in means Berardiso is leaving. Until I, if if, well, if 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 that's the case, I, I'll agree that it's a goodbye. He's not leaving. He's not going to be over those three. In my right, opinion. but. But here's here's the other problem we have then. If he stays, we have five center backs going into the season, and, and he makes a lot of money for, for Diso. Romagnoli should be loaned out to play more regularly football. So uh... right. Oh, but I also think the issue is going to be if 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 he comes in and Berdiso doesn't leave, the rumors all summer are going to be that Marquinhos is gone, or we're going to sell Castan. Both of which would be a mistake in my eyes because I think Castan did a pretty good job last season too. Um, so I'm tentatively happy about it, but it depends what it means for the other center backs around him. If he's coming in to replace one of Marquinhos or Castan, I'm a little hesitant, especially if it's Marquinhos. If he's coming in. So Romagnoli can go on loaner co-ownership. I'm cool with that as long as he's not being sold. And if he's coming in to replace Berdiso, I'm definitely cool with that. But I he, think that's if that's the plan, then I got no problem with it. But until that actually comes to fruition, it, it, there's going to be a lot of questions this summer about the, what that means for our back line. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's just like you've been saying all all pod. Let's let's get some good fullbacks in, and and then we can yeah. actually. A, a back line that we can talk about. and But do, do uh, we rate Torricidis as a fullback? Because I actually believe, uh, you know, he's a very solid option on the right yeah, back. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm a big fan, but I'm not sure what anyone else, you know, in the organization thinks based on how much, uh, you know, talk has been around right and left back. So um, most it's been mostly or more so around left back than right, um, which would leave Torricidis free. To be the starting right back, I'm, I was a big fan. I thought he played really, really well. I thought he brought a, a, a good dimension to the team, um, most or probably more so when they were in, uh, you know, a, a three-man back when he was a, a more of a wing back than a, a fullback. Yeah. But either way, I mean, he, you know, he, he's probably the the best guy we've got sending balls into the box. Um, now we just need the the guys that we have to actually be in the box there to, you know, to get on the other end of it. He's yeah. good offensive. I think he's a better wing back than fullback. 
if we're going to play a 4-3-3, I think he's he's a great option to have off the bench. Um, but I, I think we definitely need at least a left back and a right back. Um, a left back to start for sure. And then depending on the right back we bring in, either him or Torosidis can start. Um, but he, he's, he's solid. He's not spectacular. I think, you know, if, if we're going to spend a lot of money this summer trying to plug the goalkeeper in the left back hole, I wouldn't mind if he was the default right back because he actually did a pretty good job last year. Um, I don't, I don't know if he's like a long term viable option, but you know, it can't every summer we can't try to build an entire new 11. So I think there are bigger holes we need to fill in him. This is, this is one thing I want to say. I don't think he's looking, I mean, yes, he's looking for positions, but I think he's looking for roles more than anything else. I think he's looking for guys that have certain characteristics and can, you know, put them on the pitch to execute his brand of play. That's what I think, uh, you know, is what he's looking for. So he's communicating with Sabatini and saying, you know, I need a good wide player. I need two good wide players, one that's, you know, further back in the field, one that's further up the pitch. We talked about the goalkeeper, we talked about the defenders uh, and midfielders, but let's go into some questions because uh, I, I will bring yeah. this one from uh, James who asked me if Oswaldo leaves. What do you guys think about uh, going into the season with Destro as our main target man? Do you guys believe he can do that job for us or do we need to replace Oswaldo and use all that money into someone who can start the Roma games? I, I'm really curious. I'm not putting it out of the question that Garcia doesn't want to put Totti up top. So with that being the case, that changes things a little bit. I think uh, Destro has to either learn to be more comfortable as a side striker coming off the wing. And again, it depends on how exactly he employs those two wider, wide forwards in his 4-3-3, um, or uh, he's going to have to be, you know, the, the second to Toti. And that's, again, if that's what he chooses. Um, there's just something about, uh, you know, some of the things that I've read that make me think that that may be the case. Um, if it does wind up being Destro up top as the, as the starter, um, you know, he needs some confidence. He needs to play in order to get that confidence. I think if he played regularly that, you know, before long he would probably be making good efforts throughout the game. You know, whether it means he's scoring a goal a game or every other game, I don't know. But I, I think he would be putting in positive performances. Yeah, I think uh, I think starting with Jester up top is what we should do next season. I, I really believe in him. I think he, he just needs, he needs that run of time to play where he could actually score. Um, he, he's never really had that. He's always kind of been second string to Osvaldo. That being said, I see where you're coming from, Greg, but I think after, as well as Stolte did on the left this season, it'd be a real shame to put him back in the middle um, because he, he loves to drop deep and he's proven on the left he can be really creative and a, and a good striker, but not necessarily the focal point of the attack the way Osvaldo was. I would be more concerned about, I would imagine Stolte's on the left, Lamella's on the right, and Destro's in the middle. My issue is, uh, without Osvaldo, and if Nico Lopez goes, if Destro gets injured, who do we have to play striker? Um, I think we probably need another striker anyway, but we need one who's, who's happy on the bench. Uh, both Nico Lopez and Osvaldo are out. When you look at some of the names that, are being, that have been uh, uh, associated from a, an attacker, you know, a forward-type player, they're all very, very fast. Um, almost you know, speed over. Uh, some of the, the more finesse parts of, of the game. So he obviously has a good, a good frame of mind as to what it is that he wants from, his, from the players. And if, if that doesn't exist, I wouldn't go out and get a striker that doesn't fit that mold just for the sake of getting a striker. All right. Should we move on uh, to more questions? Yeah. Let's. Yeah. Let's do. Antonio Sciotti on Twitter asked us opinion on the new logo. Oh man, I remember that week. That was. Uh... <laughs> um, I was I was already so far down. I couldn't care less. Like, <laughs> do we really have to argue about this as well? And you know, I just <laughs> I just ignored the whole thing. Uh, I don't dislike it. Uh, I felt the only the part I didn't like as much was the. It seemed like the wolf had a pirate kind of. 
uh, image. I like the face. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't like it. Great. I've never, I hadn't heard that before. That's awesome. <laughs> well, how did you feel about the whole change? Um, I will say that, uh, I mean, it's not, it's not terrible. I think it could be better, number one. Um, but again, not to like some major crying point over it. To me, the, the bigger thing for me is how they went about doing it. I, I think that's what probably upset me the most um, or disappointed me, I should say. You know, they've been so good with social media. You know, this was really a great this would have been a great opportunity to kind of, you know, involve the city and involve the culture and involve the fans to uh, to determine what this is going to be. You can't say after the uproar that came out that people don't care about these things. So I think it would have been a nice touch if you just and you know put a bunch of different options out there um, and and put it to a vote and uh, you know see what what comes out and um, you know what rig the rig the results if you have one that you want who cares right. Mm -hmm. um, It, it does. It doesn't really matter at that point. It's more about like just the way they went about doing it is what really kind of bothered me. I, I think it was, pro you know, a new logo is fitting given the new ownership. The, the logo has been changed quite a few times in the past, so I think it's less of a story than most people are making it out to be. I, you know, I don't think it's perfect. I think it maybe it could have been done better. But that being said, it's simple. It has the word Roma on it now, which is clearly they, they wanted to. To have that, you know, in, in letters and not be ASR, so so you know, non non fans can identify it easily. But at the end of the day, I really don't even think it's that big of a change. Uh, it it it's it, at, at first glance, it almost looks like the old logo with the different colors. It's almost the same exact thing. Uh, basically, it's it's a modernized version of the old logo. It, it's 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 cool. It's it's not worth the outrage. It's not worth getting excited over either. It's not that big of a deal, right? It it could have been better looking. Yeah. The Some of the, the the stuff is a little, you know, doesn't look as good as it, it did prior. But what bothered me was how they went about doing it. They've been so good with social media, as our president, uh, James Pelota, likes to point out. Um, but they, they've been so good with social media and involving the fans and, and you know, in, inviting them to do things. For so many different things, Hall of Fames and vote on this and participate in that. And then something like this, which, you know, I think fans would have loved to have been a part of. They, they don't do anything. They don't say anything. They just, yeah. just kind of spring it on you. And I think that would have been a perfect opportunity. And there was a club, I want to say maybe it was Everton. I don't remember. Yeah, well, I think it was Everton. Yeah. I think that, I know what you're going to say. did the same thing, right? They got the ba same backlash that Roma did. And they said, you know what? You're right we messed up and let's start over. Or I don't even remember if they wound up going, throwing it back at them or not, but um, they at least acknowledged the fact that they should have involved the fans in some way. And, you know, I said this on the, the, the first recording we did that, that didn't take, but you know what, if you have, if you have one that you want to go with, fine, go with it, throw the, the, you know, the vote out to the fans, rig the yeah. voting, the one you want to win wins, but at least you know involve the people in something you know that badge means no i don't, I don't agree with that because then it, there's no point in having democracy if we're going to fake it right like if we're going to if they really want the fans nobody to be involved knows that it's fake. nobody knows that it's fake well right but now we can get into conspiracy theories about like the american government and, and all democracies in general but I, there's no point in, in pretending to, to do it i i think i think actually the to your point about social media one of the most egregious things was on and it looked really Sorry, you didn't the thumbnail. What's <laughs> the, great, the great irony? Well, super here. blurry. I thought that was just a great. Hold thing. on, stop talking oh, for a second. Updated You need to stop, <laughs> Julian. You need to stop. The great, the great irony here is that you were giving the audio version of the icon that you were describing. <laughs> It yeah. sounds fine on my end. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, you, you definitely need to do that one again. Okay. If you, If you could define an audio sound as being blurry, that's exactly what you were just doing. Okay, I'll, I'll try it again. I'll try it again. It's raining here. Maybe that's it. Um, 
I was going to say the, the the biggest problem that speaks to you, what you said, Greg, about social media is that they updated their icon at the time to the new to the new to the new badge, but the the badge was low res. It was it was low res before clicking on it, and if you clicked on it, it was like su- the the full version was super low res. And uh, and I thought, sorry, go ahead. No, I just said right. Right. So um, death throw. Um, so. I thought that that looked unprofessional to me. It, we have a new icon in the official Twitter. It doesn't even it has has like a, a super small version, and it's really blurry of it. Like we don't even have the high res assets yet, and they put it up before that. That 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 to me was that that didn't come off very well. The, no matter what you think about the icon, the timing might not have been right, and and the press release was definitely a little high strung. But the way they did it was professional, I, I think. The way they released it and things like that. But not having it in this day and age, like messing up the Twitter icon, if that's what you're going to do, you know, t- Twitter is Twitter. But on the other, you know, it's important part of, of the club and the social media strategy. That, that to me, was, was a mistake. All right, maybe we should start wrapping this up, Alex. Yeah, but it's, kind it, of been a- it's like worst uh, podcast ever. No, yeah. th- don't say that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's been fun. Yeah, it's this good. is I was supposed to get off like twenty six minutes ago. Yeah, it's just two small questions left. Uh, if we skip uh, Aristea's question, what is the airspeed velocity of unladen swallow? Which I don't know what it is. I think we uh, can go into the question. The answer is um, that uh, almost sounds sexual. In no, no, no. It's uh, it's 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 uh, was it an African swallow or something else swallow? That's the response that we're supposed to be giving. It's from uh, Monty Python on the Holy Grail. All righty then. Impressive stuff, Greg. You know um, English humor. Yes, uh, I do. Explain why I don't understand. Okay. Tyler G. Knowles asks us, what's the lowest price that you'd be willing to see Oswe- selling Oswaldo? I would take the $18 million that's theoretically on the line from uh, Atletico right now. I'd and say that's probably a good example of the lowest acceptable. And what point would you want to just keep him? Yeah, I don't know if I have that point. <laughs> I mean, I, I, the guy, like Julian said earlier, I mean, 32 goals or whatever over two years, and it probably could have flashed off a bit more. But, um, you know, I, I just think kind we of has to start. Go, I think. need a clean start. I think we need a clean break. I think we need no drama. I think we need everybody kind of moving in the same direction, and that's the team direction, and he doesn't play like that. That's my bit. I'm done. Same. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Okay, last question just to make – this this podcast should really be about Rudy Garcia. So uh, a quick thought on uh, Antonio Stiori's question, expectations on uh, Rudy Garcia and the coming weeks. What do you guys think will happen? Positive, all positive, moving in the right direction, that organizing the team, galvanizing the team, and, uh, and just all positive. That's what I see. Yeah, same. Uh, hopefully working on the Mercato, getting all the outs out and getting all the ins in. And then uh, working on his plan, having a good preseason. Um, seems like we have a few friendlies in the U.S. this year, not as extensive as last year. Uh, then they're part of the All-Star game. Rumors that they might play Chelsea. So hopefully a bit of a stronger preseason lineup than last year. But as long as the, he's working on the project and what he wants to do for the upcoming season, I'll, I'll be happy. Yeah, And I think yeah. and I think we'll know more in the next podcast as well. I think players leaving and players coming in, it's, it's too early to, to make – or see things clearly now that it's too premature. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess that's it. All right, Greggy. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, for Alex and Julian, this is Greg saying grazie Roma. Ciao. 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 Peace. Peace. All right.